1: We want to start with this. As you've heard in our newscast, Abdullahi Hassan Sharif has been found guilty of all charges laid against him in that 2017 Edmonton attack that saw a police officers stabbed and four pedestrians run down by a U-Haul van. Sharif was charged with 11 offenses, including five of attempted murder, four counts of criminal flight from police causing bodily harm, one count of aggravated assault, and one count of dangerous driving global edmonton's fletcher kent has been covering the trial fletcher joins us now hi fletcher welcome back to the show hi jaylin thanks for having me all right now these charges uh of course in connection with the ramming and stabbing of edmonton police constable mike chernick and then that u-haul rampage through downtown edmonton it was september of 2017 as i mentioned tell us what the past few weeks at this trial have been like
0: well, I mean, in, in part, they've been kind of what you would expect when you're going through some of this, but in the part, in, in another part, has been rather bizarre just because of the way that this has been defended. I mean, let's start back with just the evidence. I mean, we've gone through and with painstaking detail from the Crown's perspective, they've gone through and shown exactly what had happened. We've seen new surveillance video of the U-Haul flying through downtown Edmonton, uh, flying around corners, even hitting um, one of the pedestrians that, uh, uh, you could see that on some of this surveillance videos so some chilling video really just uh, showing just what was going on that night seeing all of those police cars just uh, f- following in behind this U-Haul, and and of course the testimony as well I mean mm-hmm. we heard from every single one of the people of the victims here amazingly none of them were killed given what we saw happen right I mean you might you, we probably saw that video just the day after of Constable Chernick uh, getting hit by that car and then uh, the uh, what we now know is Sharif jumping out of that car and stabbing him with a knife right afterwards just chilling video and then to hear from all of these people that survived about their their ordeals and what they've been going through it's just been incredible in that sense on the other sense it is in another sense it is just bizarre uh sharif has uh not taken part in his defense whatsoever i mean he was respectful he goes in there and he sits down he stands up when he's told to stand up did He's representing himself. He did not cross-examine one witness. He did not make any kind of arguments. Anytime the judge asks him if he wants to do anything, the answer is just simply no. So it's just kind of bizarre to watch all of that unfold.
1: That is the uh, oddest trial, I'm sure, that you have ever covered. Just given oh, yeah. that that those facts. So, with him doing that, representing himself, calling no witnesses, not taking the stand, um, w- I don't know what kind of impact does that have on a trial or a possible retrial? A mistrial? Is, has anyone talked about that or not,
0: No. I mean, it's it's a little bit early. I mean, and uh, I mean, realistically, if he, I mean. Every opportunity was given okay. to him to okay. be able to represent himself. They pushed lawyers in pre-trial conferences. They said, "We've got one for you. Here he is." Uh, he takes a lawyer, and then he fired one, and then said, "No, look, there, there's one here. All you got to do is use them." And they just refused. And he just refused throughout this trial. I mean, you've got once the jury was sent aside after every one of these witnesses, the judge is asking him questions. Do you want to talk to this amicus lawyer here, which is sort of a lawyer that was helping out with the court to see if he yeah. wants to help you out? They ask "Do you want to ask?" about this is almost legal advice from the judge pushing him going maybe you want to ask about this he said no 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 and really realistically speaking I mean the only way to know is probably to understand him and get inside his head no one's been able to do that but really it Okay. Who's, going, who's going to appeal? <laughs> yeah, I guess it. so. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, I guess so. You know what, Fletcher? And, and that's the thing, and I think through all of this, we all still just want to know why. We want yeah. to know why this happened, and we don't have any answers as to why this happened. Now, if I remember correctly, when they put him in prison after they took him into custody, there was an undercover police officer that did go in and, and, and got him to talk a little bit there, but that wasn't a whole lot either, was it?
0: No, it wasn't a whole lot of I mean, I mean, really what he said to him was uh i was just out for a drive and this cop flashed the light at me out in front of commonwealth stadium and i didn't have any insurance so i got freaked out rammed him with a car and then ran off i mean skipped the uh, part about stabbing him several yeah. times uh and then said that he was got in a via- he got in a u-haul didn't explain how and then drove it was trying to get away from the cops and uh, ran into i think he put between three to five people and then there's one i mean, the, cop pushed him the undercover cop pushed him a little bit in there and said yeah i hate cops uh, you know um how about you and then there's a little bit of a wink and a nod and a smile but that's the extent of anything to suggest as to why now that said you, everybody probably remembers and we can talk about this now that the trial's over a bit more at the time of all of this uh, there was an ISIS flag found right. in his car by by, uh, by Constable Chernik. and police were very clear at the time that they were investigating this as a, as an act of terrorism. They outlined the charges, not the charges, but uh, yeah, some of the criminal charges that he was arrested on. Now, to be clear, he wasn't ever char- formally charged on those, but certainly that was the suspicion at the time. And it'd be nice to understand what happened with that. But up until now, there uh, nobody in the Crown Prosecutor's Office and RCMP nobody's ever really explained why they haven't gone that route so uh, there's a lot of why questions and i don't know with the amount of he's talking and the amount that he's not talking i don't know if we'll ever find that out
1: yeah the crown never brought up the terror li- the terror anything about terrorism uh, the can, word uh,
0: terrorism was sort never of, uttered well you can sort of understand that i mean i've talked to some legal experts on that as well i mean what's easier to prove to prove terrorism you're going to have to prove what was going through his mind and why he did something. To prove attempted murder, you have to prove that he drove this U-Haul down and tried to kill some people. He tried to kill Constable Chernick whole lot easier to prove the what happened than the why. So from a legal perspective it might be way easier for a jury. But yeah. still, from everybody else's perspective, they want to know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Fletcher. But I thought that they actually had a team kind of looking into this and the potential ties to terrorism at, at one point, like through the RCMP. Did we ever yep. find out anything about that? Like what they found, what they did, or did that just disappear? No.
0: no, we know that there was a massive investigation. I mean, they talked a bit about that in court, saying that the Integrated National Enforcement Team uh, or the INSET team was in Investigating, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was massive. It was something like 360 mm. or 350 some police officers that were involved in this at its peak, uh, more than 100 or close to 200 other civilian people. All of that just looking into this one particular incident, uh, I'm sure they must have found something. Uh, whatever they found, though, we've never we've never
1: heard huh. that yet. So. Wow, um, you know, usually a trial at least ties up some loose ends, and mm-hmm. there's really no bow been put on this one, has there? So it didn't take very long for uh, the jury to come back with its verdict. What, less than 24 hours?
0: Yep, just just under. You bet.
1: And 24 hours, uh, guilty on all charges. What happens now? Sentencing taking place in December. What does that look? What will that look like, Fletcher?
0: Well, that's a good question. I mean, typically, in any sentencing, you've got some victim impact statements. We've heard from the Crown that there's going to be at least five that are going to be delivered, likely probably from the five people who were uh, like Constable Chernick, and then the four people that were hit from by the by the U-Haul. Uh, typically, then, you have arguments from the Crown prosecutor and the defense, but I say typically because really there is no defense. He's representing himself, and he hasn't said a word up until now, so mm. it'd be strange to think that he would probably decide to start then. We will likely hear some arguments from the amicus lawyer but he's limited in what he can talk about so I'm not sure how that's going to work and sort of what issues are going to be brought up in the sentencing not 100% sure again I mean everything about this case has been kind of strange and interesting likely continue to be
1: when you talk about an amicus lawyer and I've done some reading about it but for those who are hearing that for the first time I that was the first time I'd heard about it when it came to this trial me too yeah Yeah. can you (laughs) give us an idea of what that is I can't remember
0: the legal definition, but really this is some Latin term, but really what an amicus lawyer is, is a lawyer that's there to assist the court. So, I mean, everybody has their role, right? The Crown is there to present the evidence uh, on behalf of the state. The judge is there to be able to sort of navigate everything and make sure that the law is followed. And typically, the defense lawyer is there to represent the interests of the accused. But in the absence of that, everybody else is doing their job. So the amicus lawyer is really just watching things, making sure that there's no glaring um, violations of anybody's rights, right? So just mm. if something happens, okay. it's sort of advocate. It's not an advocate, but it's sort of looking okay. out for the interests of the accused. It's a really weird gray area. I'm not 100% clear on how it all works, and I'll be honest, I don't think the lawyers are too. <laughs> speaking with it. No, I'm serious. When I'm speaking with them that they have there is differing case law on this depending on who you're looking at so some can be used like this in some cases can be used in a different way in others because it's so rarely used everything's so different so it's just such a it's, a, it, it's an interesting and an odd way to deal with it, but it's been fascinating to watch.
1: Yeah, and this lawyer, know, he's been a lawyer for 37 years, has said oh, yeah. he's never seen a case where an accused refused to cooperate to the extent that Sharif did. He's never spoken to Sharif, despite Quarter Queen's bench justice. Uh, Belzil repeated recommendations uh, for him to do so, and you touched on that. Just bizarre. Uh, here's a question for you, um, Fletcher, because I can't remember this, because I'm wondering about uh, the consequences of sentencing. Is um, Abdullahi Hassan Sharif is he a canadian citizen is there the potential that he could be deported
0: my understanding and don't quote me 100 percent on it is he likely will be deported yeah. typically from what i understand happens is you are sentenced and you will serve your sentence in canada and then at the end of it um, once you are free then you would be deported he he's been convicted of five counts of attempted murder each each count of attempted murder depending on sentencing does carry a maximum of life in prison yeah so uh, honestly I'm not hundred percent sure what would happen if he's sentenced to life in prison if he does get uh-huh. that maximum even if he's paroled is he would he be uh, deported I'm not sure but typically yes you would end up being deported and, after you serve your sentence
1: and any recommendations being made right now on, no. on sentencing nothing yet
0: no no that's something that you'd typically hear from the Crown prosecutor uh, oh. during their sentencing arguments oh, wow. but they didn't bring any of that
1: up today <laughs> what a bizarre one Fletcher all the way around just uh, simply bizarre but boy oh boy um, um, you know how many of us will will just never forget Constable Chernock and um, you know him in the in the days afterwards, and certainly his testimony on uh, on the oh, stand yeah. was just so powerful uh, and so emotional, and I'm sure that you're going to remember that for a long, long time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Fletcher? Thanks for this, and uh, you know uh, we'll we'll see what happens in December. I appreciate you taking the time.
0: Yeah, not a problem. All right, take
1: care. Yeah, Fletcher Kent over at Global Edmonton.